Hello, everyone. Welcome to Novel. This is your host, Caleb Linville. Today, I am excited to present to you episode three of When the Mountains Called by Shannon Baker. But first, a few quick announcements. Novel is always looking for new, exciting, and thought-provoking stories to present on our podcast. If you have a story or a story idea that you would like to share with us for consideration for future seasons, please contact Novel at clinville at novelpodcast.net. That's C-L-I-N-V-I-L-L-E at novelpodcast.net. Or you can visit our website, novelpodcast.net, for more information. Have you ever wondered why we call French fries French fries? Or why something is the greatest thing since sliced bread? There are answers to those questions. Everything Everywhere Daily is a podcast for curious people who want to learn more about the world around them. Every day, you'll learn something new about things you never knew you didn't know. Subjects include history, science, geography, mathematics, and culture. If you're a curious person and want to learn more about the world you live in, just subscribe to Everything Everywhere Daily wherever you cast your pod. His eyes fluttered against the tall, swaying grass of the river bank, and he pressed them shut. The sun was warm against his face, the water cool and rippling against his toes which dangled in the water still, and he found himself thinking this wouldn't be such a bad place to stay a while. He could nap, perhaps, or truly, truly sleep, something he hadn't been very good at since Pearl had died. Pearl. His eyes snapped open. The grass wasn't so soft anymore. Its sharp yellow blades were actually rubbing quite uncomfortably against the whiskers on his cheek. His feet were icy, and he retracted them to his chest, sitting upright on the bank. He looked to his left, upriver. He couldn't see anything but the field across the banks, yellow and rolling across the valley, and the river, sparkling cold and clear, winding its way across it until it all disappeared around a corner, a pinprick in the distance. Had he really floated so far? He had no idea where he was. He had never been this way before. In all the hikes he had gone on with Pearl, all the day expeditions in the early days of their marriage, before she got sick, he wasn't sure he had ever been this far. The prairie grasses of the valley looked similar enough, but where he might have expected to see his little house on a hill in the distance, there was only the hypnotic sway of yellow, a never-ending field. He didn't know how long he had floated in the river. At some point he must have fallen asleep, and yet... He must have washed up on the banks long enough ago that his clothes were already dry in the high heat of the day. Turning his head to the right, he eyed the river. About a mile away, it disappeared and around another corner, the yellow valley extending beyond the bank on the other side. He weighed his options. He could ford the river, but then what? Meander aimlessly across the valley, forever surrounded by a golden sea? His house had to be to the left somewhere. That was where he had floated from. But he remembered the previous day, or days, however long ago it had been, when he had tried to return to his beloved house, his field and his garden. He remembered the invisible fence and the futility of it all. No, it wouldn't profit him to wander across the valley. He could keep floating, he thought. It had been peaceful enough once he had made the decision to get in. And he had certainly been comfortable, wrapped and carried by the current. 
He shook his head. This wasn't about him. This was about Pearl, and finding her. If they were both dead, then she was out there somewhere. But where? He twisted his body where he sat on the bank, examining the surroundings behind him. It was pure woods. Tall, ashen trunks, yellowing canopies interspersed with thick pines. And beyond that, he craned his neck up, in his direct line of vision, perhaps a few miles away, the clear blue of the sky was blotted out, interrupted instead by a block of solid gray rock that extended as far as he could see to the right and to the left. Tiny as toothpicks, the evergreen trees ran down it in the gullies, as if they had been poured from the sky, so numerous they had spilled out onto the forest floor below, planting themselves all the way to where he sat at the river. Above the tree line, however, was only the gray, ashy and solid, tinged with a deep purple, above what he thought must be a ridge line before the white, frosted summit. He sucked in his breath. He was nearly at the base of the mountains. Come, come, they had said, and he had come without even really trying. All he had done was get in the river. Was this the reason he had stopped here, here at this bank, because they had called? Was he really so powerless in his direction? And if so, did he really believe he had a choice now? Did it matter what he wanted? Had it mattered what Pearl had wanted? Had she finally had a choice when for the last several years of her life she had only seemed to let fate choose for her? He squeezed his eyes shut, trapping the tears within them. Blinking a few times, he opened them again. Well, if Pearl had been here earlier, what would she have chosen? Would he find her if he floated downriver? Or would it profit him to obey the call of the mountains? They were silent now, but they had brought him thus far. He knew Pearl. He knew his wife. She, ever the adventurer, the one who had convinced him to move to the valley from the town, who had spent the days outside, who had wrangled horses and planted gardens, and who, on principle only, entered the little house once the sun had set behind the hills. Pearl, who had preferred to only rest at night, at least until the final years when her body demanded otherwise. This Pearl, if death was redemptive at all, this first Pearl, the one of adventure and sun and endless day, was the one who had made this choice on this same bank, and he knew what she would have chosen. He grunted as he got to his feet, willing the achiness of his joints to dissipate, so that it might be ready for the journey ahead. He had no pack, no food, no luggage, nor anything else, but that did not bother him. He was dead, after all, and the only thing he needed was to find his wife. That was why the mountains had called, to help him find her, and he would go to them. The woods were denser than he had thought, as if no one had been there before. The tree roots twisted over one another, knotted and mossy so that his foot wedged between them, tripping him, 
or if he managed to step over them, catching the bottom of his boot in such a way that the slick green moss made him slip. Burrs lined his corduroy legs and every now and again poked through to his bare skin, pricking him. He found himself annoyed and vaguely disappointed that pain, as small as this was, was still present in death. Back when he had hoped, it had been for the better. Still, he pushed on, driven by the steadily pulsing desire in his heart, the knowledge that Pearl was up in the mountains somewhere, waiting for him. After hours, he didn't know how many, because as far as he could tell the sun was still high in the sky, he took a break. He hadn't hiked like this in decades. In the years of Pearl's declining health, he had rarely left her side, and she hadn't been able to go much further than the property line, the one now encased by an invisible fence. And when she had passed, she took the sense of adventure with her. So a break would do him good. His legs ached with overuse, also something he had hoped he might not have to deal with in death, and he was panting from the effort of climbing over downed trees and tree roots. Twenty yards to the right, he saw a large, blackened stump. He went to it and sat heaving a sigh and closing his eyes. Opening them, he peered at the ground through his fingers, staring at his dirt-crusted boots, at the twigs caught in his laces. Pinching one, he pulled it from his laces and pressed the tip to the dirt floor. He got off the stump and, crouching in the dirt, began to write, Pearl, I went to the mountains. Signed, A. He stood and examined his work. It was legible enough, not the neatest, but then again, Pearl had always been able to read his hasty scrawl. Of course, the odds of her seeing his note was quite slim. He was surrounded on either side by the thickest brush he had ever seen, and he was sure she was in the mountains already. Still, if she was here in the woods, making her path to the mountains like him, then perhaps she would stumble upon this message scribbled in the dirt path. The dirt path. Heart pounding, he looked up. Extended in either direction beneath his mud-caked boots ran a winding path. Roots still ran across it, but it was unmistakably a path. Branches were broken or sawn off from the low-hanging trees above, and the dirt was packed in a way the rest of the forest was not. His eyes traced the path a few yards to the left, catching on something in the dirt. It was a faint semicircle just before a particularly large tree root almost as if somebody had pressed the ball of their foot to the root and their heel had dug into the ground behind them. His eyes skated forward. A few paces beyond was another print, clearly made by a boot. His heartbeat quickened. He was not alone. Someone else had traveled this path, this path that might lead to the mountains, and they had done so fairly recently. He couldn't have been more than a mile away now from the base of the rocks, and this path would take him at least part of the way. It was better than bushwhacking, he decided. So he started out at a trot, his energy surging from somewhere deep inside, replenished by his quick rest and the fortune of his discovery. He kept his eyes to the ground, watching as the prints varied from half a heel to a whole foot, some of them facing forward and some of them turning back. They seemed to be created by the same person, but he couldn't know for sure. They weren't small enough to be pearls, this was a man's print, but that didn't mean Pearl hadn't traveled this path at one point or another. He ran into the evening, even as the sun cast a golden pall through the trees, whose shadows lengthened, whose needled branches refracted the light in such a way that it made his steps more concentrated so that he wouldn't stumble. The forest was flickering now, dizzying him, but still he pressed on until it was twilight. The forest was a deep green gray 
as if it had been covered by a translucent silver blanket. Everything was soft, except the sharp outlines of the tree trunks, sentinels of the approaching night whose ranks still extended as far as he could see. He didn't want to be running at night, or searching for Pearl at night. Even in death he could feel pain, and he could certainly feel cold now, now quite evident, in the absence of the sun. Were there still animals? He'd heard birds all throughout the day, so it wasn't impossible. It was best, then, to find shelter. But where? All there were for miles were trees. He stepped off the path in search of a particularly big one with a wide base of thick knitted branches, beneath which he might be able to have some sort of covering. His eyes strained in the dark. There, thirty yards to the left, maybe. A rustle. Somewhere behind him, maybe, not far off. His hands turned to ice. His boots might as well have been filled with cement. The only thing he heard was the thumping in his chest, and the steadily increasing sound of pine branches being pushed aside. He couldn't move. He couldn't speak. If it was a large animal, he couldn't outrun it. Not in the ever-blackening night, even with the safety of the path beneath his feet. But he took a deep breath. He reminded himself he was already dead. He could not die twice, could he? The rustle was closer now. Louder, but now he discerned, still frozen three feet off the path, it was accompanied by another sound. Duller. Tempered by something solid. Sh-crunch. Sh-crunch. Branches wishing through the air, footsteps pressing on the ground. Sh-crunch. Sh-crunch. He didn't move. Sh-crunch. Should he move? Thirty yards away, his shelter for the night. Sh-crunch. Sh-crunch. Louder now. Sh-crunch. Then nothing. He looked down the path, holding his breath. There, standing twenty yards away, just after the bend, just barely visible against the now deep black woods beyond, was the outline of a man. Perhaps the man wanted to see him, if he stood very still. Hmm, the man grunted, and the outline of his arm rose to remove a hat, holding it in the air before it swept back through the air and onto his head. The man's arms lifted again. Then he spoke, his voice echoing through the night. Heavens bless God! Finally, here you are! Thank you for listening to Novel. I hope you enjoyed this segment of our story. Please consider liking, subscribing, and reviewing the show to help the show grow, and also so that you don't miss out on the newest episodes. Thanks. This episode was read by Jonathan Keener, written by Shannon Baker, with hosting, production, and original music by Caleb Linville.